What happens when the creator of the universe decides to touch your heart and your life, and in a metaphorical sense, leave the evidence of his fingerprint behind? In forensics, a fingerprint can be proof of identity. That's naturally speaking, but what about supernaturally? What happens when God does that? Find out on this episode of Discover Your Spiritual Identity. It's time to discover your spiritual identity with your host, Mike Shree. There are hundreds of names and titles given to God's people that powerfully reveal who you are, why you exist, and what your purpose is in this world. Each one pulls back the veil of a different aspect of who you are in Christ. Once you learn these names and titles and apply them to your life, you will rise up boldly to be all that God has called you to be. Are you ready? Here's Mike Shree. When God touches a person's life, everything changes, especially your identity and your purpose. And there is a powerful example in Scripture found in 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 26, when Saul was chosen to be the first king of Israel. The Bible says there went a band of men with him whose hearts God had touched. Other versions say valiant men went with him whose hearts God had touched. Well, what happened to those men? And why did they suddenly, radically change directions in their life? Who knows what their occupations were? Maybe they were carpenters or masons or fishermen. But when God, the creator of the universe, just touched their hearts, just the barest touch of influence, everything changed. And all of a sudden, they feel this compulsion, this burden, this vision to be a protector of the king and one who executes his will. Well, I believe the same thing happens when God touches our lives with his influence. He changes our identity and he changes our purpose. And he does that in a very miraculous and powerful way. Proverbs 21 verse 1 says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, and like rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. Well, of course that was written about the primary king, the chief leader in Israel, but also I believe it refers to us because we have been made kings and priests to reign with the Lord Jesus Christ, with the Messiah in this world, to have dominion. And so I could apply it to my life. You could apply it to your life that when God touches your heart, when he just imparts the most gentle influence in your life, it's enough to turn your direction radically. My heart, your heart, the king's heart, The king of kings has subordinate kings, and their hearts are in his hands, and he turns them whatever direction he wants to, like rivers of water, because there's a river of life flowing through you that is on its journey toward a destination. Also, Isaiah 66 verse 14 says, the hand of the Lord shall be known toward his servants. So God's going to touch you, and God's going to uphold you, and God's going to change you in many ways. Now, one of the first things a baby learns to respond to is the sound of its name, its personal name. 
And then it becomes excited because a mother, a father called that baby by a name that's been applied to that child. It's a connection. It's a love connection. It's a bond being reinforced over and over and over again all through the day. Well, God has called you by many names, and you should recognize those names because, see, when he touches your heart, he changes your identity. And how do you discover what that new identity is? You find it in the Word of God. You've got to discover it in the Bible. And in the pages of God's Word, you'll find over 1,000 names and titles that belong to you, that not only give you a new identity, but give you a new purpose in life. And your heart is in the hand of the Lord, and He's guiding you into that purpose. And when you discover this, it's radical in how it changes your way of thinking, your whole perspective on life, on who you are what you're called to do, it all changes because God has touched your heart. Let me show you how the world tries to steal your identity. Many years ago, my wife Elizabeth and I were in North Carolina, just north of Hickory, and we pulled into a gas station to fill up the tank. And as soon as I put my debit card in the pump, All of a sudden, within a couple of minutes, I bought a refrigerator in Kansas and a haircut in California, where I was in three places at once, it appeared. And of course, my bank caught it immediately and knew that something fraudulent was going on and shut it down and restored the money to my card. But it just showed me how quickly the world can steal your identity in that sense, but in a much more important spiritual sense as well, because the devil wants to steal your identity. If you're a child of light, he'd much rather you be a child of darkness. The world wants to steal your identity. If you're among the saved, the world wants you to be among the lost. And people around you sometimes want to warp and change your personality to fit within the confines of their worldviews what they think is important, what they think you should be passionate about, and thus change your identity. So there's a warfare going on all the time with spiritual forces, with the world as a whole, with individuals that influence you to change your identity. And you've got to discover what that identity is and then stick with it and be very passionate about taking a stand concerning who you are. I find a great illustration in the Bible to apply to that statement, and it concerns Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, who were among those who were carried away into Babylon during the captivity. It's important for us to see the names that were the original names of those four individuals and the names that were given to them. The name we know Daniel by is his original given name. It means God is judge because God was judging his situations constantly and defending him. When he was thrown in a den of lions, God judged that situation, saw that he was unjustly treated, intervened, and sent an angel to rescue him. 
Daniel means God is my judge. Really, you should stick the personal pronoun in there. However, when he got to Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar wanted to shape him into a Babylonian. He wanted his identity to be more inclined toward that culture. And so Nebuchadnezzar gave him the name Belteshazzar. And Belteshazzar means Bel protects his life. And Bel was a false god worshipped by the Babylonians. You never find Daniel referred to as Belteshazzar because he was so vigilant and diligent and passionate about maintaining his true identity. The new identity never stuck. In fact, in Daniel chapter 5, verse 12, Nebuchadnezzar was referred to by the queen of Babylon. The queen, who was married to Nebuchadnezzar, referred to Daniel, and she said, Daniel, whom the king called Belteshazzar. And so even the queen recognized, you know, God's in that man's life. He's got a different spirit. He's got a different mindset about him. He's unshakable. He's immovable. He's unchangeable. That's the way we should be. Now, most people, when they think of the three Hebrew young men, I don't believe they were children, they were young men who were thrown in a furnace of fire because they refused to bow to the image that Nebuchadnezzar made. They call those three young men Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. However, those are the pagan names, the heathen names that were given to them. A lot of Bible readers do not really recall or realize that their true names were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And each one of those names identifies them with the true God, the real God of heaven and earth, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Hananiah means Yah has favored. And Yah is a contracted name for Yahweh. Yah has favored. Who would not want a name that means God has favored my life. Mishael means who is what God is. It's a recognition of his highness, his holiness, his greatness, how unmatchable he is in every other area that we could imagine. His infinitude, the fact that he is omnipotent, all-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing, omnipresent, everywhere, all the time. Who is like God? Well, every time Mishael was called by a friend, it was a reminder that God is far beyond any of us, far higher and far greater. Then Azariah means Yah has helped. In other words, God has helped you get this far in your life, and the one who helped you to get to where you are now is going to help you get the rest of the way to your ultimate destiny. Who would not want a name like that? that declares God is your helper. However, Nebuchadnezzar tried to change their identity, just like the devil, just like his demons, just like the world, just like people around you want you a little less spiritual, a little less passionate about the things of God, and they want you to fit in with their quote-unquote culture. Notice the word cult is the root word of the word culture because the world has its own cult. Shadrach means servant of sin. God forbid. Meshach means the shadow of the prince. 
In other words, overshadowed by the political influences in Babylon or the prince of darkness himself. Abednego means servant of Nebo, which was another false god. We call them Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, but I guarantee you they did not like being called by those names. They would have much preferred to be called Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Because Hananiah means Yah has favored, Mishael means who is, what God is, and Azariah, Yah has helped. So they clung to their true identity. In the Bible also, and this is really captivating to me, that God would condescend to do this. We find example after example where God actually changed the personal name of an individual that he chooses in this world for a particular task, a particular calling, a particular anointing. And the name is a prophetic statement concerning who that person is and the purpose that that person is to fulfill. For instance, let me give you some examples. Well, Adam was given his name by God, but the next best example is Abram. Abram means exalted father. And when God first introduced himself to Abram in Genesis chapter 12, he calls his name Abraham. As you pursue the story further, you find out that Abraham means father of a multitude. And so before Abraham had any children, God spoke his destiny into existence by giving him a new name. Every one of the patriarchs got their name from God. Isaac's name was given by God, and the word Isaac means laughter because everyone was laughing when a 90-year-old woman gave birth to a child. Everyone was laughing when the promise of God finally was fulfilled. And I guarantee you the one that laughed the most was most likely Abraham, 99 years old, a papa, finally, by Sarah. So God named him Isaac. And there's a lot more symbolism attached to that because being children of Abraham, we are also referred to in scripture in a corporate sense as Isaac. We're children of laughter. We can laugh at the arch enemies of the human race, Satan and sin and the curse and the lower nature and death, hell and the grave, because all of these enemies are conquered. Jacob is a prime example. The word Jacob, there's some controversy and discussion over what that name really means. Many people say it means supplanter, which is someone who takes that which is not truly his own, because Jacob was clutching at his brother's heel when the two were born. They were twins, Jacob and Esau. Some say it means heel catcher uh, or heel grabber. And uh, so, but anyway, it, it talks about the story where he was continually trying to take from his brother that, that belonged to his brother by his own human means. When he finally, many years later, 20 years being exiled, and then he returns back to his homeland, he wrestles with God in the middle of the night, and God changes his name to Israel, which I am convinced means prince of God. Israel means prince of God. 
And it means basically one who reigns with God, one who rules with God. Well, no longer is he a supplanter trying to manipulate and control circumstances to make it move his direction the way he wants. Now he's reigning with God. And from that point forward, you don't find Jacob trying to manipulate anyone or anything. God finally is in control of his life. So his name becomes an indication of his destiny and his purpose. And there's others in the Bible, like John the Baptist. His name means gracious or grace giver. And he introduced the message of grace when he introduced Jesus to Israel. He was taking them out from the confines of the law into the wondrous era of grace that we are a part of. No wonder his name, John, means gracious. And when his father, Zechariah, obeyed what God revealed through the angel and named his son John instead of Zechariah, which would have been the traditional way to do it, to give him the same name, then his tongue was loosed. He'd been dumb for a season or unable to speak because he had unbelief toward God finally allowing he and his wife to have a child in their old age. And his tongue was loosed and he began to speak prophetically when he acknowledged the will of God by applying the right prophetic name to his son. And when we acknowledge the will of God by applying the names that God has given us to our lives, where we relate to that identity more than we relate to what we are in the natural, then our tongues will be loosed as well and we'll speak prophetically in this world. The supreme example, of course, is Jesus, or in the Hebrew, Yeshua, because the angel of the Lord spoke to Joseph and Mary and communicated to them that his name should be Yeshua, which is the Hebrew word for salvation. And the explanation was, for he shall save his people from their sins. So his name indicated the power of his identity. Every time you say, Jesus, help me, you're revealing that he has the power to deliver you from sin, from Satan, from negative circumstances. He is the Savior, the Deliverer. Praise God for that. And when he called his own, even in the New Testament, at times he gave them new names. He called James and John sons of thunder. And he called Simon Peter, Petros in the Greek, or also Cephas, uh, which means the same thing. I believe that's Aramaic. And both of them mean a small stone. And so he was giving him a stone-like nature of being immovable, strong enough to be one of the pillars of this new covenant era to come. So again, names indicate when they're even personally applied by God to individuals, destiny and purpose. Well, in a more general sense, there's over a thousand names and titles in the Word of God. Like the apple of God's eye, the anointed, ambassadors for Christ, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, more than conquerors, a royal priesthood, vessels of mercy, the bride of Christ, the church, the general assembly and church of the firstborn, oracles of God. I could go on and on and on. All those names have been applied to your life. And when you acknowledge those names, 
then the reality of what those names represent is funneled down into your life in a marvelous way, in a mighty way, in a miraculous way. Praise God. One last thing I want to share, and then I'm going to close this, this segment of Discover Your Spiritual Identity. You've got to find yourself in the Word of God to prosper in your purpose. People came to John the Baptist, and he did this. Let me repeat it again. You've got to find yourself in the Word of God to prosper in your purpose. They said, who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, no. Are you one of the prophets risen from the dead? He said, no. And he referred back to Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 through 5. And he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And then it goes on to say, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted. Every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight. The rough places will be made smooth. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. See, John the Baptist found himself right in the prophecies of Isaiah. And so he functioned in his identity as a result and was powerful in introducing the Messiah to Israel. And exactly what Isaiah 40 prophesied was what came to pass. Jesus did the same thing right before his ministry was launched for three and a half years. He stood up in the synagogue and turned to the prophet Isaiah and coincidentally, no, it wasn't a coincidence. It was a God incidence. It just happened to fall on that chapter that prophesied of him. That was the reading for that Shabbat, that Sabbath day. And he he read from Isaiah 61. John the Baptist declared who he was from Isaiah 40. Jesus declared who he was from Isaiah 61 where he said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek, to bind up the brokenhearted, to set at liberty those that are bound, the opening of the prison to captives, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he closed the book and he said, this day, these words are fulfilled in your ears. And his ministry was launched from that point. I challenge you in the year 2023 to purpose in your heart, make a resolution, if you will, that this year you're going to walk in your identity. You're not going to relate to what you are in the natural as much as what you're going to relate to in the spiritual. The names God has given you, find them out. Visit this podcast every week, listen to it or watch it on YouTube Read the book, Who Am I? There's 52 chapters. You can start the first week. You can go to our website, shreveministries.org, and order your copy of Who Am I? Dynamic Declarations of Who You Are in Christ. And then every week, start an, uh, start an anointed study 
concerning the name God has given you. Find out what it is to be heirs of salvation. Find out what it is to be a pillar in the house of God. Find out what it is to be heirs of the kingdom and then walk in the reality of it. It will change your life. Thank you for listening to Discover Your Spiritual Identity with Mike Shree, a podcast designed to cause a spiritual awakening in your life. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can go deeper into this amazing revelation of the names God has given his people by getting your copy of Mike Shreve's book titled, Who Am I? Dynamic Declarations of Who You Are in Christ. We also invite you to visit our website, shreveministries.org, and sign up to be part of our global internet family, a group of on-fire believers who are bold to proclaim, I am who God says I am, I have what God says I have, and I will be what God says I will be.